Now, happy Mother's Day. I hope you were having a good day. And for every mom, I hope at the end of this day, you say, I'm blessed. I'm grateful. And that your family and your loved ones have blessed you today and risen up and called you blessed. As we jump in today's sermon, would you pray with me and let's invite the Lord to come in this, uh, today and say whatever he wants to say. I've been sitting over there praying, even though I'm ready for this morning, Lord, you edit me. You speak through me, but edit whatever you want to edit and guide my thoughts so that at the end of today, you say what you want to say. Would you pray with me? Lord, we invite you here today. We have been worshiping you already this morning, and we ask that you would fill this place every mind and every heart with your presence, that you would have your way. You would say what you want to say. And Lord, it is my intent to share truth and impart blessing today. And I ask that you let me do that. And every family that's here or watching over the internet, we thank you, we praise you, we invite you here in Jesus' name. Amen. How many people drove here this morning, meaning that you were the driver behind the wheel? You drove here this morning. Not that you were riding, you drove here this morning. Okay, that's a lot of people. If you've been driving for any length of time, then you know by habit, when you are on the road, you don't want to go too far over this line, too far over this line. You keep it in the road and you're making constant small adjustments as you drive. And again, if you've been driving for any length of time, you do that without even thinking about it. You know, I'm, I'm driving and I'm talking, you know, 10 and 2, you know, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, safest position when you're driving, little adjustments, a little bit right, a little bit left to keep it in the road, right? What do they say? Keep it in the road, you know, stay in the road, keep it, stay in your lane, keep it in the road. Why? Because you want to get to where you're going and you want to do so as effectively and safely as possible. You also know, and again, you can say, Alex, we know this, but I'm going somewhere with this. You also know what happens if you veer too, off, too far off to the right. You end up either in the ditch, right, or a telephone pole or a tree or something even worse. You don't want to go off the road to the right. You certainly don't want to go off into the left, into oncoming traffic, or if there's no oncoming traffic, the ditch on the other side of the road. Trees, telephone poles, everything bad over there. So you keep it balanced between the lines to get where you're going as effectively, as safely, as fruitfully as possible, right? carrying the people with you. And that's what you were doing this morning. You were on the road, small adjustments, small adjustments, getting here, right? And you're here. Thank God you're here. Welcome. <laughs> there is a parallel with our spiritual life, just like when you're driving. In your spiritual life, you want to be as healthy and as balanced as possible. What do I mean by this? What I mean is you want to be humble before the Lord, that's on the 10, on the steering wheel, but confident in Christ, that's on the two. I'm humble, I'm aware of who I am outside of Christ, nothing, and I'm aware of who I am in Christ, a child of God. And that's your balance. Keep it between the lanes, keep it on the road. We need the biblical balance of humility along with confidence in the road and who we are in Christ. Humble, but confident. Not in myself, I mean, I can be confident in myself and the way God's designed me as long as I'm honoring him, but humble before the Lord, confident in who he is and who I am in him, right? You got me? Now, what does the enemy want you to do? 
Just like driving, he wants you to end up in the ditch. And he doesn't care which side of the road it is. As long as you are ineffective, as long as you are not fruitful, as long as you are not walking in the Spirit, or or loving God and loving others, he wants you in the ditch on this side or this side. What does the ditch mean? I'm going to give you two analogies. If you go too far to the left over here, I'm going to call this the pity party side. It's where we tend to wallow in self-shame or in bitterness and anger at other people who have caused us pain. I'm either wallowing in all my own failures. Oh, it's bad. What, what have I done? This life I've lived, I've messed up so many times. And I'm wallowing. Or I'm wallowing in the hurt and the bitterness that other people's failures have caused me. I'm wallowing. That's, that's the ditch on this side. Or if he sees you leaning this direction, Satan would be happy to push you too far to the ditch on this side of pride. I'm better than most people. I ain't never done anything real dumb. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think I'm quite accomplished in my life. You know? So the, the, the side where you're puffing yourself up with pride. So either the low side, oh, I'm worthless, or I've, I've failures, or other people have hurt me, wallow, 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 or the pride side. Either way, that's a ditch. Either way, you cannot be fruitful for the Lord. You can't be wallowing and have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Goodness, kindness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can't have those fruits when you're wallowing over here or in pride over here. And he would love. He doesn't care. He wants to get you off the road one side or the other. Are you following me? So we need the biblical balance of humility along with confidence in the Lord. The ten and two on your steering wheel. I'm humble before the Lord, but I'm confident in him. And those two can go together. A humble confidence. John 15, 5 says this, without him, we can do nothing. It doesn't say very little. It says literally nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. So I'm humble before the Lord. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So I'm aware of what I am without Christ, and I am aware of who I am in Christ. That's a balance right there. Now, I'm going to paint a picture for you because I think if you're like me, and I know I am, you're going to identify with me, okay? The pity party side. I'm going to paint a picture when I get low or down or I feel sorry for myself or somebody's hurt me. It's almost like I come in this room and I unlock this door and I open the door and I walk inside and there's my pity party committee and they're around this table and they've planned this party for me. They enjoy me coming as often as possible. And I sit at the head of the table in this pity party room. And we review all the hurt and pain going on in my life. It may be that we review my own shame. And the pity party members go around the table, committee members go around the table, and they say, oh, man, you messed up bad. Let's review what you've done. At the end of the table is a big screen TV. And they replay what you've done. And you think, man, I have messed up bad. Or the hurt that other people have caused you. Let's replay Let's replay over and over the pain and the hurt that's that's been given to you and caused you. And, oh, let's swallow for a while. And they throw party after party after party. They invite you all the time. On the other side is a different room. If you err on the pride side, and by the way, I'm not accusing you guys of being on either side. I'm just painting a picture here. On the pride side, here's another room. Let's unlock this door. And we walk in, and there's another committee room. This is a nice room. It's a nice table. 
and this is the booster club of you. And you walk in and you sit at the head table. Ooh, it's a nice leather chair here at the head table. And you look around and they look at you and they're like, you are awesome. You are so good. Why don't other people see how amazing you are? And they have this other big screen TV on this side. And we're going to replay all the good deeds you have done. And they puff you up and puff you up and puff you up. Now, again, I'm not talking about a healthy confidence or pride in good things like I'm, I'm grateful my children know the Lord or they're doing well. I'm not talking about a healthy. I'm talking about puffed up with self-pride is what I'm referring to. The pride that God says he doesn't like. And so that's this room. We're sitting in this, this committee and, and the booster club, man, they're raising some money for you. And they're, they're going around the table and they're bragging about you. And you think, let's review this again. Let me hear more. Hanging out in that committee room. Both of them will prevent you from sharing the fruits of the Spirit, from walking with the Lord. It's one ditch, one side, one ditch on the other side. The Lord doesn't invite you into either room. You have no invitation from the Lord to be in either room. How does the Lord work? He works through conviction to point out something in love that he wants you to get right, to draw you back to that balanced view. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm walking with Christ and I'm confident in him. I'm humble before the Lord, walking in confidence with him. Where he wants you, the middle of the lane, not in either ditch. You following me? All right. I, oh, well, let me point out this to you. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to them, I have life and have it to the full. So again, the enemy wants you in either ditch. About 10 years ago, I spent some time in this room, the pity party room, nine or 10 years ago, in regard to my mother. I have full permission to tell you this story. She gave me her blessing. My mom is a prayer warrior. She is a good mother. Some of you have seen this little video that went viral on YouTube called Ronwin Kendrick the golf cart story. We did this little, uh, she, she had some prayers that were answered and there was a little video that people made and stuck it on the internet and then the next thing we know it has 1.5 million views and I'm like, mom, what in the world? Ronwin Kendrick is a godly woman to my older brother Shannon, to me, and to Stephen. She is our mother. About 10 years ago, we disagreed on a doctrinal issue and it wasn't even a, a, a foundational issue. I'm not talking about that Jesus is God's son that died on the cross, was buried and rose from the grave, and it's through him that we get to know the Lord and through his blood. I'm not talking about foundational issues. I'm talking about secondary issues. And she took a view, and I took the common Southern Baptist view, because as, as you know, Southern Baptists are right about everything. <laughs> the older I get and the more I know the Lord, the more I realize how much I have to learn. I hope you think the same thing. And I hope it's your desire in this church or any other Southern Baptist church or any other denomination that you say, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. I want to know you. I want to read your word and have it interpreted by the Holy Spirit rightly and honor you in all that we do. That's where you should stand. Now, I get into this disagreement with my mama off this doctrinal issue because I don't like where I think it's going to take her. So we start arguing a little bit, turns into debate, turns into this strong disagreement, turns into frustration on my part. 
Mom, I can't believe you even think this. That's like these other, other denominations over here that think this or that. And I don't like it. That's not right. And we argue, and I get really upset, and it bothered me more and more. Now, again, we're not talking about a foundational issue. We're talking about secondary issues. And you remember what Paul said, keep the secondary secondary, right? Keep the main thing the main thing. And so I get upset, and then that begins to turn into bitterness. How can my mom think that over there? How can she think, Mom, I told you. Mom, I've been to seminary. I told you the way you ought to be looking at this, right? And I get upset, and it turns into a little root of bitterness. So about 10 years ago, we had shot the movie Courageous, and as we do every time, my brother Stephen and I, it's time to, to start working on the, the, the books and the curriculums. And what we do every time, we get together and we pray, then we, then we do work apart. So I have my quiet area where I'll go and I'll start studying and asking God to guide us as we put together the materials and the books and things like that. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to, I want to write exactly, Stephen's doing the same thing, exactly what you want me to say. So we carry the weight of that responsibility. And I get off by myself in this room, my study, and I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready. Lord, I've come here to spend five, six hours with you. Lord, I want to hear you. I want to minister to these men in regard to courageous. I want to help fathers, Lord. Would you bless me? Would you help me study? Would you guide me as I write? And it was like I ran into a brick wall. I had nothing. Even when I'm reading, like nothing's... It's not, nothing's registering here. And I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I feel dry today. It's dry. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord, good gracious, man, I, I need to focus here. Lord, I want to hear you. I want to read. I'm trying to process the scriptures and I'm looking for fatherhood things and men things and there's nothing there. And finally I said, Lord, what's going on with me? You know how the Lord talks to you, that still small voice in your heart? If you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, you know when he's convicting you of something or saying you need to go get something right or you need to settle something or confess something to me. You know what that is. He doesn't necessarily talk in English, but yet you understand him perfectly. And I know what the Lord was saying to me. Alex, I don't have anything for you until you get this right with your mother. I remember kind of being stunned. I wasn't thinking about my mom. I wasn't thinking about that disagreement issue. Lord, I'm over here trying to get ready to write some things to help men. We're going to do this courageously. The Lord says, Alex, you're judging your mother in your heart. And you are not her judge. Oh, the Lord, he said, Alex. You are bitter towards your mother. I love your mother. I love her. She is your mother. You should honor her. You're not her authority. Honor your mother and give this to me. And I sat there and I was like, oh, Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is my mother. This is a secondary issue. But even if it was a primary issue, I should love her. And honor her. She is my mother. I'm not her parent. I'm her son. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it was like this little balloon with resentment in it. And it's like the Lord took a needle and popped that. And I still remember sitting there and I could almost feel it. It just dissipated and went away. 
It's like he drained it and it went away. And I began to have thoughts of gratitude for my mother, all that she has done, all that she has prayed, the way she supported us and loved us, all the things that should have been prominent all along. There is no perfect mother. You did not have a perfect mother. Scripture says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means every single one of us. If you're here, that's you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's not why we... We don't honor just perfect women. You're no perfect dads. But you choose to honor. You choose to love. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And I called her. And I begged her to forgive me. And I acknowledged what the Lord was doing in my heart and what he had said to me. I'm not your judge. You're my mother and I love you. She was so gracious to me. I have a, such a good relationship with my mother. Since then, it's been better than ever. We are in great terms. I, I love talking to her. She, you know, she calls me and says, we're praying for you. She sends me verses and texts, even this week, testing me verses. This is what I'm praying for you. This is what you could share. So the Lord got me out of this pity party room, sitting there sulking. Can't believe she thinks this. Lord, she's wrong. You, you know, glad you, you and I, we're on the same side, right? And then I review on my little screen. Hmm. Let me just review it again. Roll it back, and my, my pity party committee around the table is like, Alex, you're right. You're so right. Review it again. Wallow, 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 wallow. So I had to get out of this room, right? And I'm learning a lesson, and I hope you will grasp this with me today. The enemy wants you in the ditch on either side. He wants you in this committee room with the pity party planners, and even if there are valid hurts and pains, and I know that there are, he wants you wallowing in this room, reviewing, reviewing, reviewing. Or he wants you in the booster club of pride over here, building yourself up, thinking more than you should. Instead of that balance of humility before the Lord, recognizing who we are outside of Christ and why we need him, we can do nothing without him, but we have confidence in Christ. When I am saved, I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ. I am bought with a price. I have an eternal home in heaven. I'm a child of God. That is awesome news. That's where I'm staying, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. And if I have to make little adjustments on the way to remind myself, I'll make those adjustments. Stay in the lane, stay in the lane. I want to get to where God has me going. Amen? So this is what I want to ask you to do, and we're going to do this today in a minute. In your heart and your mind, if you feel like this is you over here, that the devil that's, that lies to you, that he's here to steal, kill, and destroy, you open this door and you walk into your pity party planners and fire them all. Fire every one of them. You are no longer needed. We're not going to meet in here anymore. I don't have an invitation from the Lord to be in this room. Cut the TV off, pull the cable out of the wall. All of you can go out the back door, you're fired, have a permanent vacation, you hit the light of that room, close the door, lock it, and throw the keys away. Are you following me? If you were on the other side, if you feel like, Alex, man, I'm hearing you, the Lord's tapping me on the heart, I got some pride in my life, then you walk in your booster club room, as nice as it may be, and you tell your booster club members, I am not to be puffed up with pride anymore, I want to walk humbly before the Lord, but effectively, I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit, all of you... Here's your pink slip. Don't need you anymore. 
There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. You hit the light switch. You close the door and lock it and throw that key away. We're going to walk in the path the Lord has assigned for us. That we would, with our life, love God, love others, remember who we are in Christ. Don't buy the lie that gets us in a ditch on either side. And say, Lord, would you bear love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control through my life. Because I can't when I'm in the ditch. Amen? John 4.10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And then Ephesians 2, I encourage you, Ephesians 1 and 2 will remind you who you are in Christ. I encourage you to go check that out. Now, hang with me. Everything I have just said is chapter 1 of 3. So we're going to keep that right here. This is chapter 1. I'm finishing chapter 1. I'm about to go to chapter 2. We're going to review chapter 1 in a few minutes. So that's chapter 1. Chapter 2, I want to talk about speaking life and giving blessing. As a lifelong Southern Baptist, I have heard and read about biblical blessings, but the older I get, the more precious and valuable to me are the sincere blessings spoken to me and prayed over me over the years. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Think about that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What does that mean? You will remember the harmful or curses that someone spoke over your life, even in your youth. If you stop and think about the things that were so unkind, that scarred you emotionally, you will remember those comments. They were words. But why did they leave such an impact on you? You will also remember the most meaningful, affirming statements said over you by people that loved you. You will also remember those. When someone truly, sincerely said, I love you, I believe in you, you're going to do this well or that well, or you are special to me, you remember those. Why do we remember those? Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. A coach, if you're sitting on the bench of a, of a team in your youth, and the coach, the game's going hard, and man, oh man, we got to send somebody in. He looks down at you on the bench. There is a big difference if the coach said, hey, come here, come here, come here. Look, I'm going to send you in this game. Don't mess it up. <sighs> All right, get in there. You're going to go, oh, he didn't, didn't have much confidence in me being in this game, does he? He must think I'm no good. Versus the coach that says, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. Look, I'm going to send you in. This is what I want you to do when you get in it. Look, you got this. You got this. You can do it. You're going to be awesome. All right, get in there. And you think, oh, he believes in me, Right? Two different things. It's the same gesture. He's pulling you up, putting you in the game. But two different mindsets he puts in you because of his words. Because of his words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In eighth grade, I went to a, a summer camp with my church called Camp Awanita. Some people call it Awanita. I don't care. Awanita, Awanita, potato, potato, doesn't matter. I liked the camp. I thought it was great. But again, I'm in eighth grade, and on about the third night or so, the other churches were there too. So lots of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, camp counselors for all the churches, and we're, we're interacting as we do the worship time together and the message time together. We're eating in the same cafeteria. And I remember leaving on about the third night, 
I had not really gotten to know many of the other camp counselors from the other churches, but just interacting just a little bit here and there. We're all leaving the, the mess hall. We're going out to do the big bonfire outside. And as I was walking out, one of the other camp counselors, a young female, comes over to me and she says, Alex, the Lord wants me to tell you something. That's a pretty good attention grabber if you're ever going to have a conversation with somebody. I was kind of like, um, okay. And she said, you are going to be a blessing to other people with story, music, and prayer. And you're going to bless a lot of people. And that's all she said. And I remember standing there going, okay. <laughs> I'm in eighth grade. I mean, I, I like stories. No, I like music. I was into, in eighth grade, I was into Michael W. Smith, Whiteheart, Petra. So he says, you're going to be blessing to a lot of people through music. You know, do I get to be in like Petra? <laughs> if you don't know who that is, I mean. 80s rock. Anyway, but she says, you're going to be a blessing to a lot of people with stories, music, and prayer. I really didn't know what to do with that. So I kind of filed it away, you know, mentally just filed it away. and really didn't think much about it again. But she says, God's going to use you to be a blessing. Now, it feels good when someone says, God sees you and knows you're going to use you to do something. That's life-affirming words. But I didn't know what to do with it. Fast forward to the release of War Room, right? We're working on these movies. War Room comes out, and I'm at one of the screenings, and the audience is responding fantastic. They're getting into it. They were loud and boisterous, and, and at the end, people were saying, praise God, and wanting to pray right there. And This lady comes up to me, different lady, of course. This lady comes up to me. She's got tears in her eyes. She grabs me by the hand. She shakes hands. She says, you brothers, these stories, even the music, how it's helping us to learn to pray. You are a blessing to so many people. And I don't know if it was the combination of those words, but boom, I have this flashback to the eighth grade. It's like God found that file in my mind, pulled it out, whack! I told you. And I think, Lord... I start putting those two into it. What was that back there in the eighth grade? How am I supposed to look at that? She says this word from you over me. Says you're going to be a blessing. And, but I remember it because it was a positive life-giving statement. Now, I don't want to be mystical. I don't want to say that, that she's you know, this or that. But, but I'm just saying this second time this lady comes up to me after war room, she says the same words the girl said when I was in eighth grade. She said a blessing over me. Now, my parents have done this many times to me and my brothers. My parents believe in speaking life over someone, pronouncing a blessing over someone. Words are powerful. The English word bless is from a Greek word meaning to speak well of or to prosper. It's the act of declaring or extending through pronouncement God's favor and goodness upon others. A blessing is, is an instrument of God's love. Our words have potential to do good or harm, as you know. So consider these verses. You'll see them on the screen. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. Health to the bones, Proverbs 16, 24. 
Proverbs 12.35 adds this. Heaviness in the heart of man makes it stoop, but a good word makes it glad. There's power in your words. Now, I want to rattle off several things. You're not going to see them on the screen. I just want you to listen to me carefully. I started looking up where in Scripture did one person give a verbal blessing to another or a group of people? Where in Scripture was this? There are too many to list, but I'm going to give you a sample. Genesis 24, 60, Rebecca's family blessed her by saying, may you become thousands by tens of thousands. May you become thousands and then tens of thousands to Rebecca. In Genesis 48, 9, and that happened. In Genesis 48, 9, Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. Then he blessed the 12 tribes of Israel, a verbal blessing over all of them. In Leviticus 9, 23, Moses and Aaron blessed the people, and it was followed by the glory of the Lord coming down and appearing to all of them. 2 Samuel 6, 18, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. In 1 Kings 8, 14, King Solomon blessed all the assembly of Israel as they dedicated the temple to the Lord. Joshua 14, 13, Joshua gives a verbal blessing to Caleb. Caleb says, Joshua, you're the commander, let me take this mountain. And Joshua says, not only will I let you, you can do it. Go and accomplish what you've set in your heart to do. And Caleb takes the mountain. Joshua blesses him. Luke 2.34, Simeon blesses Mary as she held baby Jesus. In Mark 10.16, Jesus calls the children to him and blesses them. Remember the disciples tried to say, oh, no, 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 get the kids away from him. Jesus said, no, 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 let them come. And when they came, it says Jesus prayed and blessed them. He put his hands on them and blessed them. It doesn't say they were particularly good kids. Think about that for a second. He just decides to bless the children. Should we believe they were all really well behaved? I would say probably not. If you doubt me, as Mark asked, serve in the week here. <laughs> My wife does it regularly, and I've done it a handful of times, just a handful of times with her. I'm here to say we all need Jesus. <laughs> Every single one of us. But you should serve in there. It will give you perspective, and we also need you. Right? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And yes, I know that is hard. It takes grace from the Lord to do it, but it is a choice. It is a choice. And then Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you, Paul writes, bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. There is life in your words. Now, that's chapter 2. Getting into the last chapter. So we've talked about, we don't want to end up in the ditch on this side. No pity parties. No reviewing hurts, even if they're valid. Over here, we don't want to get in the side of pride, right? We want to stay humbly confident. Humbly confident who we are in Christ. Then we talked about the power of a blessing. Today, I'm going to start us off with prayer. And I want you to do business with God first. I want you to ask him, God, is there anything on either side of the road that I've gotten myself into that I need to get right with you? Then I need to fire my pity party committee or I need to fire my booster club. And I want to get back on the, the, the right standing with you, 10 and 2, accomplishing what you have set me to accomplish. And then the way we're going to end today for the last 10 minutes or so 
is I want you families to join me and we are going to pray and speak blessing over every mom here. We want to bless her today. She can stay seated where she's at. We're not going to single people out. I want you to help me pray a blessing over our mothers and honor them today and rise up and call them blessed. Would you bow with me? And we're going to take a little bit of time. So focus in. Don't, don't let your mind wander or think about other things. First question I'm going to ask you is this. As I shared with you these verses, these principles, even these analogies, is there either side you have found yourself in? Does the enemy like to make you wallow in your own failure? If so, say, Lord, I want to get out of this room. I don't want to wallow anymore. You promise as we bring things to you and trust you as Lord and Savior, as we confess things, you will throw our sin as far as the east is from the west. So if that's you, say, Lord, get me out of this. I want to get out of this room in Jesus' name. Help me fire my pity party committee. Help me leave that room, lock it, and never return. Don't let me wallow. If you are in that same room because of hurt that has been done to you, I'm asking you to trust it to the Lord. He is judge. He is a perfect judge. And choose to bless and not curse, as Jesus asked us. He loves us. He offers us what we do not deserve. He offers his life and life abundantly. I have come to give you life and life to the full, John 10, 10 says. Embrace that. Say, Lord, let me pop that balloon of bitterness in my heart. Get it out of me. And remind me who I am in Christ. Remind me that I'm loved, forgiven, saved, chosen, adopted, blessed by you, treasured, valued by you. Help me embrace that, Lord. If you feel like you're on the other side and you have pride in your heart, I'm asking you to fire your booster club. Say, Lord, help me get out of this room. I do not want to have pride that prevents me from being effective in your sight, glorifying you with the way I live in my heart and my thoughts and my actions. Lord, bear fruit through my life. Forgive me for any pride I shouldn't have. With your head still bowed, I now want you to think about your mother. Think about your mother. If she is no longer with us in this life, then I ask you to think of a woman who is a mother, who has been a blessing to you or a blessing to others. If you have a wife that is a mom, we're going to pray for her as well. As I pray these prayers, I'm asking you to insert her name into these prayers. Insert her name into these prayers. Lord Jesus, you are our great healer. I'm asking you to bless my mother with health. Fill her with vitality. May you heal her wounds and protect her from further harm. Lord, shield my mother from pain just as she has shielded and protected me. Grant her a life filled with blessing and time to spend with all of us. Bless her with refreshing mornings, peaceful nights, 
and with strength. May she live boldly among her community and our family. Insert her name. Lord, bless my mother. Bless and nurture my relationship with her, my siblings with her. Please make her your treasure. Make your love the core of our relationship. Help us work in love together joy, joyfully. Jesus, bless my mother with compassion and gratitude. Show her kindness and mercy. Give her a thankful heart. Give me a thankful heart for her. And help me value and love her the way you do. And may the coming days be the most joyous days. Lord, bless my mother with wisdom, with faith, with love. Give her a gentle spirit. Bless her with the knowledge that she is loved. Remind her that in Christ she is a beloved child of God, saved, chosen, adopted, sealed, forgiven, cleansed, treasured. Bless her with your presence, Lord. May she feel your comfort, your peace, your protection. Lord, bless my mother with dignity and favor. Let her walk and live joyfully in the knowledge that you see her and fully know her. Lord, forgive me if I have hurt her. Forgive me if I've wrongly judged her. If I have not loved or honored her the way that you intend for me to. And give her grace to forgive me. Give me the grace to make anything right that I need to make right. Lord, may you be glorified in our lives and hearts. May we be a, a witness of our Savior who loves and forgives us. Lord, bless my mother with the knowledge that you are on the throne, you are in control, and you see all of her days. Let her rest in you as her God and smile at the days to come. Bless her, Lord, with your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May her children rise up and call her a blessing, and her husband also. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Finally, to wrap up, there is a priestly blessing in the book of Numbers. You are familiar with it. And join me, I want to pronounce it over every mother here. If you are a mom, the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you peace. You are loved and we want to honor you today and are grateful for you. And can we, families and men and children, rise up and call our mothers blessed? Would you do that for me? Thank you, Lord, for our moms. Thank you, Lord, for our moms. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Garrett's going to come up. I hope you have a wonderful day. Moms, I hope you have a happy Mother's Day. 
God loves you and Jesus is Lord. Until next time we meet, don't eat too much today. But be good to your mama. God bless you guys. Let's give the Lord a round of applause for a great word this morning.